how does it work, when, where, what, and why. The dynamics of an effective devotional life on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey guys, it's Justin from Inverse, and you're here with my friends on a special uh, study on the book of Daniel. And you've been with us, what, for about five weeks now, six weeks? And we're very excited because we're looking at different characteristics that God's last day people have uh, in in the last days. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and this is going to be a fun uh, chapter specifically on the the topic of, of devotional life. And this is something that, that many people struggle with, many people are victorious with, and many people have a lot of a lot of say with. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. So if you're out there, if you have your Bibles, please take them out, please turn them on, whatever you got to do. We're going to get into the Bible, but only after a word of prayer. So Siku, can you pray for us? Sure thing. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, and we pray that as we do so now, that it would inspire us to continue to study, that we would have a life not just of sporadic commitment to you, but of faithful commitment to you all the time. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 So, Callie, we're going to go to chapter 6 of Daniel. And for those of you who, those of you out there who may be joining us for the first time in this segment of these 13 weeks, we've been flying over the book of Daniel. And in the first eight episodes, we're looking at the different characteristics, different devotional studies on the book of Daniel. And then the last five episodes, we're going to get into the actual prophecy themselves. So let's look at Daniel chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse 10 to verse uh, 13, if you can read that for us. Okay, 10 through 13. Mm -hmm. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. All right, all right. So um, I won't ask Sebastian this question. Maybe I'll, I'll open it up for you all. But what are some attributes that we've already covered in past episodes uh, about God's God's faithful people in the last days? The prayer life. Prayer life. Yeah. Temperance. Temperance. Temperance in chapter 1, mm-hmm. for sure. Commitment. Commitment, okay, radical commitment. commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we looked at accountability. And here we're looking at devotional life. And Sebastian set us up here in chapter 6. And we don't have time to read the entire chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really encourage you out there, if you get a chance, to read the entire chapter for its background uh, context. But in chapter ten, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, Dan, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what writing is this and what's going on? So Daniel, after Babylon has been conquered by Medo-Persia, in a very unlikely turn of events, is not removed from his position. Mm. Normally, right, when you conquer, you remove all those people that were high officials for the previous king. Mm -hmm. Because you're worried that, well, they still have allegiance, there could be a coup, but apparently there was no distrust in Daniel, Mm -hmm. right? And as my mom would say, he was just that good, right? So they're just like, well, he's just (laughs) that good, so we're just going to carry him over. 
to the Medes and Persians, and not only was he just uh -huh. that good to carry him over, he actually promoted him above all the other leaders. So uh -huh. he was him, and then among the other three that were supreme, and then among everyone else. Uh -huh. And then this jealousy ensues, and they're trying to find a mistake. Mm -hmm. But again, Daniel's just that good. Mm -hmm. No mistakes, they can't find anything. So then they realize, you know what? He is such a consistent man of prayer that if we convince the king to make a law that you can't pray to any other god except the king, mm -hmm. ah, this is how we're going to catch Daniel. Mm -hmm. And so we picked up the reading where they actually catch him after the writing and the king actually signed the law because he felt, you know, proud and lifted up. Oh, yeah, you know, everyone should be praying to me for 30 days and just to exalt my glory even greater. Yeah. Daniel goes away from that, refuses, continues his prayer life as usual, as they anticipated they find him, and then they report it to the king. Yeah, mm -hmm. Siku, break out, break down this, this the passage you just read, uh, really quick. I mean, mm -hmm. what are the actual components of his prayer life? Very specific that we see there. Well, he says that he goes in his upper room, so mm. he has a specific place where he goes to pray. Very interesting, yeah. Right, and he opens his window toward Jerusalem, like they had been instructed to do when God spoke to Israel, when when Solomon was was erecting the the temple. Said, when your people, if they're in captivity, if they pray towards Jerusalem, that you will hear from heaven. So he does mm -hmm. what was prescribed for them to do, praying toward Jerusalem. He knelt on his knees, and then it says it was three times a day. It wasn't just once a day or twice a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Three times a day and in a time of crisis. So you know that when things were good, he was definitely praying at least that much. Right. And when things got rough, he, was playing, he kept praying three times a day. He would go to that specific place, face the direction that the Bible, Scripture had told him to face, mm -hmm. and he would give his petition to God. And he prays, he says, gave thanks to God. And it's awesome that in the context of uh, a decree forbidding you to pray, he is giving thanks. Mm -hmm. He gave thanks to God just as his custom was since early days. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's very interesting that uh, he's praying three times a day. I mean, is, is he just, like, not busy? Like, is he, uh, <laughs> he just hanging out in, in <laughs> Old Testament on. times, hanging out with the camels and the horses, and just like, hmm, it's just... <laughs> Time to pray. And like, what's uh... I mean, the nature of his position already tells us that he was a busy man. Mm. I mean, even just even without knowing the ins and outs, just that high level in a government yes. and being that excellent, excellent requires hard work and requires yes. time commitment. But he just made this a priority, and it's also a rebuke to I think us and us meaning everybody, like the sound of my voice of. This idea that, oh, well, I'm just too busy to make time right. with, with God. Um, but it's like, man, if Daniel could do it, I mean, even going further, if Jesus could do it, mm -hmm. yeah. spending time with his father every single day, then I think we... we if the fact, prime minister of Medo-Persia yeah. could do it, then yeah. in terms of time <laughs> management, time. sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. And, and on the time management thing, it, it becomes that the busier you are, the more you need to pray, That's actually. Right. Yeah. Because when you come to God in prayer, he helps, priori helps you prioritize what is important when you should do what you ought to do. So coming to God becomes more necessary the busier you become. So there's not that like that Martin Luther quote, I think, mm -hmm. I butcher it. but yeah, like I'm so I have so much to do tomorrow that I need to at least have three hours of prayer. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like that, that it said it said of Martin Luther that he took time from the from he took that time that was the optimal, uh, the for, optimal for for study, study. and right. he would devote that time to prayer. So mm -hmm. he he was so efficient throughout the rest of his day because the best time that he, his mind was most switched on, he committed that time to God, and then God blessed the rest of his time. Mm -hmm. so. Do you think, like, um, I'm, I'm just thinking, uh, maybe I don't know if it's too, too crazy of a comment, yeah, but to, to many people today <laughs> is uh, we, we reserve our energy, uh, we, we don't depend on God for 
for efficiency. We don't depend mm-hmm. on God for success. We depend on chemicals. We depend on perhaps yes. cups of of hot beverages to, to get <laughs> us through the day. We, 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 we rely on videos for inspiration. We rely on a phone call with a certain person. We recall, I mean, we, we lean on all these things, which mm-hmm. in themselves are not evil or bad or whatnot. But, I mean, we have this, the greatest of all things right at our, 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 our fingertips, and we're not leaning on that for, for really secular success, right? We're not mm-hmm. even talking about spiritual success here. Mm-hmm. He's just, just for, for secular work success. Uh, Sebastian. And, you know, it, it just raises an, an, another point to my mind that Daniel didn't necessarily change his prayer life because he was in crisis. Mm-hmm. Right. And it lets you know that his prayer life was always in crisis, A, mm-hmm. and B, his worship of God was something that was sufficient enough that he didn't feel like he needed to increase his prayer time. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like he needed to pray more than what his custom was. Mm-hmm. In that sense, he was having personal contact with Christ. He was communing with God, and in those sessions, he felt, I just need to be in the presence of God to be reminded who is sovereign over the situation, to be reminded of how good God has been to me all these years I've been through the 70 years of Babylon, Mm -hmm. to be reminded of how God has kept his promises faithfully. Through that, Daniel says, well, I don't need to increase my prayer life, and that tells us that we need to be praying in a way that if a crisis were to come tomorrow, I don't need to increase how much I'm praying. Because I'm already praying sufficiently enough. I'm already in communion with God to the degree that it'll carry me through a crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 10, it says that as his custom since early days, uh, what does that reveal to you about uh, his devotional life? That it, was, it was consistent. It's consistent. And it kind of, yeah, it's, not, it's not something like, oh, there's a problem. I will now construct a devotional life because mm-hmm. now I need one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, in, the, in a real sense, we always need one, you mm-hmm. know. But sometimes we feel I need more than others. But it's, I also like that he had kind of a glaring reason to just skip today. Like, why don't you just skip one day, Daniel? Like, mm. it's, don't miss it. Or skip 30 days, you know? Like, God <laughs> understands. God is an understanding God. You're already connected with God. You yeah, like, just just like, keep the grace and just let it carry over 30 days. <laughs> you don't need new grace. But it's just, it was so much of a custom, not only to not increase, but not to diminish mm-hmm. um, when he had a lot of kind of glaring good reasons to mm-hmm. diminish. Mm-hmm. And I like I like the, the fact that since early days, it, it speaks to me because, you know, I grew up going to church, and one of my fears was looking at old people in the church and... And it was discouraging for me, you know? Whoa. Yeah, because they'll be like, oh, yeah, when I was younger, I was so on fire. And then you yeah. look at them and oh, they're right, like, right. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was what was discouraging. <laughs> they're just <Okay>. getting by. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it was kind of implicit in their comments was, well, maybe you can be on fire for Jesus yeah. when you're young, but wait till you hit 60, you know, mm. or 40. Right? It's going to go out. Yeah, and, and I, did, I, I felt like I shouldn't commit to something that I'm not going to be able to carry all the way through. You know, it's like, do it or, or not. But Daniel, he says, since early days, and Sebastian pointed out, those 70 years, mm-hmm. he was taken at the beginning of the captivity. Mm-hmm. Now we're drawing to the close of the captivity, and he's still... So around 70 years. Around, yeah, yeah so like... Not 70, I'll specifically, <laughs> right. but around. So, so I mean, for, for long time, yes. Daniel managed to maintain his commitment to God in that daily walk with God, that daily devotional life. So it's encouraging to me that from, a, from being young, from our youth, we can have a commitment to God and have a relationship with him that carries through into our adulthood and into our old age, 
the fire doesn't have to burn out. Yes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't and, have to. And, and it kind of also speaks to the fact that Dan- Daniel was young, <laughs> right? And, and when Daniel was young as a kid, his parents invested. They taught him the way in which he should go. And now he's old, he's not departing. Mm-hmm. And I remember the night before I got married, a, a person said to me as a piece of advice, they said, Sebastian, you know, I pray that when the flames of romance go out, that you'll be able to rekindle it because you still have the embers of commitment. Mm. So sometimes you don't have the flame, the visual piece, but as long as you have the embers, and for Daniel, I don't want to romanticize it and suggest like he always was excited to go pray every day, three times a day. But I believe Daniel showed up, right? Mm. He continued on, even when he didn't necessarily feel like it, he still showed up. And I think that's a big part of uh, the consistency of his prayer life. Mm. When we come back after the break, we're going to look at little practical pointers on how to make your devotional life real and consistent like Daniel's. So stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there... Join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We are in Daniel chapter 6 and looking at practical elements on the devotional life. And so I want to ask you all, uh, let me ask you all, do you all have a good devotional life? (laughs) (laughs) Go see. Can I, okay. Uh, um, to, To keep it real? Yeah, 100. Keeping it 100. Um, with little kids, yeah. so I have three children, three that and is under. A challenge. Yeah. yeah, three and under, Ooh. right? Three, three and under. Mm. And with the youngest one being um, baby, baby, yeah. it can get challenging on just on the sleep side yes. to be able to keep your eyes open to read something, right? Yes. Yeah. But something that I discovered, and honest, honest story here. With my first two, I really had a hard time the first three months, especially where everything is kind of a haze. Yes. And I pray to God, I say, Lord, I don't want to go through this next baby the way that I went through the last ones. I don't want to have, like you're talking, like your grace carry me those three <laughs> months until I make it to the end. I, I would three like months, to. Three years, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. just, I, I want to I have a different kind of experience yeah. this time. Yeah. And I want to testify to God's faithfulness to answering that prayer for me mm-hmm. because this time, you know, the Lord brought technology into my life. I realized that I can read the Bible on my phone, which... On your smartphone? On my smartphone that, like that I've years. had for a long time. Yeah. Yes, but I realized. Yeah. I said yeah. realized. Okay. Realized. <laughs> realized. Yeah. It dawned upon, that, it dawned upon me <laughs> yeah. that at those midnight feedings where everything is quiet, all the other kids are sleeping, everybody's sleeping, and I'm awake nursing my baby that I can actually read my Bible during that time. Mm. You know, I can, I can spend time in communion with God during the, the quiet times of I have to be up. Mm. And, and it, it's been an incredible experience real, that God led me through so that in the most difficult, that's, this for me is the most difficult time to have a devotional life. It's like yeah. these three months. But I think this time around, God made it so that I could have probably the closest relationship with him that I've ever had in my life because like crying out to God, Lord, I'm sleeping. Yes. You know, keeping it real with Jesus. Call on his name. So I feel like for me, I've gone through a similar transition like Siku where I, I transitioned more from a ritual to a relationship with Christ because before I was married and had, you know, my copious children, right? Yes. <laughs> you, do. you do have copious. a lot of kids. I have a plethora of children. You do have a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Just for the record, how many kids do you have? <laughs> I have four kids. Four kids. People so, think you're like 90 kids. Okay, so four. Okay, continue. <laughs> anyway, big personalities. So I, I, I used to have a specific time, morning and evening, that I would study and pray and do all of that. But obviously having a family, that's difficult to do. And so what it, it transitioned me from was recognizing that when it's really busy in my home, because I'm always trying to come up with crafty ways to spend time with my wife or to get moments alone with her, I may not get the three-hour dates that we used to take. I may not be able to say, hey, let's go take a walk downtown because we could, right? We didn't have kids. You didn't have those worries. But now that we do... Or joys. Right. Or joys, yes. <laughs> um, now that we do, I find and try to manipulate little spots in the day. It says, well, I have an hour. And normally I would say, well, if I drive home, I'm only going to be home for 10 minutes. But that 10 minutes is meaningful. And so I started applying that same mindset to my relationship with Christ, mm -hmm. which is that I may wake up and my daughter is there before the Holy Spirit is there, right, <laughs> at the door. So it's knock, knock, Papa! And you're like, I haven't even talked to Jesus yet. It's like Jesus before he ascended. Yeah, you know? like, Please don't touch me. You have that experience too? <laughs> so so it, it, it really calls upon me to say... It's just my children. <laughs> and I'm trying, Jesus, and I'm trying to be Christ-like yes. to tell my child yes. to go back up to yes. the bed. And so, you know, Man. and my wife would just be quiet and fake like an out of body experience. <laughs> and my wife will pretend like she's sleeping, but I know she's awake because uh -huh. she doesn't want to respond. Uh -huh. So she's like, well, you know, I'll let him respond and she'll just continue to act like she's sleeping. The kid is just banging the door down like the police, right? Like they're coming to arrest me. And finally, I'm like, you know, be calm and lower my voice and no, son, it's not time to get up or no, Mari, you have to go. Papa's still sleeping. <laughs> and, and through this experience, it helped me to say, okay, through the busyness that is my life, if I get 10 minutes, it's like, you know what, like technology or I have a Bible in all of our cars, then it's like, hey, you know, I'll pull this thing out, take my 10 minutes, sit in a parking lot, wherever I'm at, or I'll get somewhere early and just say, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read. Because when you love someone, you're going to find a way to spend time, regardless of the busyness. And I feel like devotional lives suffer because we've moved into ritual focus rather than the relationship. Mm. I just need to talk to Jesus because I, I love him and he's my best friend and yeah. I need his support and help. You yeah. know? Uh, for, for me, if I can play a counterpart to, yeah. to you, uh, it's actually been revolutionary for me to, to engage my devotional life as a ritual. Mm. And so not just only a ritual, but a ritual and relationship combined together. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there are moments in my life where, you know, God and I were tight and, you know, I, I wanted to do devotions and whatnot. But there are other moments where life gets busy. Your son is knocking on your door. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these other things that happen. And it's the ritual that carries you through those low points mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. And the cool thing is those low points get, get lesser and lesser, yeah. but, during, but just the, the discipline and the habit. Yeah. And, and, and not looking at it as a ritual as like, oh, now is another, not just dragging your feet, but as right. an art form, like, oh, this is, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. This is just my, this is my time. So you, you just get into it. That's and what right. happens is through the discipline that you exert through it, it becomes a relational thing yes. in the midst of, of practicing it as a ritual. Hmm. And there's other times where it's just completely natural and whatnot, but right. uh, that, that habit kind of smooths out those low points after a longer period of time. Yeah. Uh, something that's been profound for me is, is I love journaling and journaling out my prayer life. I used to have, and Callie knows this, I used to have a, a prayer book, a, 
a uh, to-do list book, a Bible study book, and then they just and they had like a zillion books, and I was going to go insane. You know, I was going to go to like Daniel chapter four. So I just combined those <laughs> things into one book. It's like, Lord, this is just my life book. And so my only anxiety now is if I lose this book, I die, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I put all my stuff in there and it's like, Lord, what is your, what do you, what would you have me to, to learn today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and some days it's just spot on exactly what I need. Mm. Others has zero implication on my life. But I, when I look back, at least with the journal, because it's written, all those points where it seems like it wasn't applicable at that day in a longer picture, in a zoomed out uh, Google yeah. Maps, it was God was tracking in a long-term trajectory. That's right. So it's just these cool little things that God is in the micro and the macro and in the middle, meso, meso, whatever. whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, the Japanese. So that's, that's been my, my devotion. So here, I really see Daniel's discipline and has become an art form, and that Amen. art form has become a spiritual relationship with God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, what, Kel? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, what are some practical, from the text itself, and also from your personal experience, or from other texts, what are some key uh, secrets or some, some, some pointers in making your devotional life just all that better? Practical stuff. Secret. One thing that I, I mentioned when I was talking about verse 10, that he had a place mm. that he would A go, set place. Set place. Mm. And there's something about having a set place. It kind of gets you, when you, when you go there ritualistically, mm-hmm. when you go there all the time, you know, for a particular activity, once you go there, you're in a certain mindset, a frame of mind when you get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest, uh, sorry for the, for the kind of crude example, but that anyone can relate to is the bathroom. You know, when you go to the bathroom, like your mind, because it's something that you do from when you're a little kid, when you go to the bathroom, your body knows what happens in the bathroom, you mm-hmm. know. Having a set place, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's true, yeah. But having a set place true. to go like for a spiritual activity, you know, for in your home, that mm-hmm. this corner or this rug that I set up, that I go and sit here, you know, for me, this chair that I sit yeah. when I'm nursing my baby, this is the place where I have my devotions. Yeah, yeah. It gets you in a certain frame of mind um, and engages you prepared to receive what God has to give yeah. you. So John, John Wesley, I went to England and visited John Wesley's house, and this brother built his own prayer room because there wasn't enough space in his house. Mm-hmm. So he built this extra room just for his prayer room. But the way the architecture of the house, he couldn't just do an add-on. He had to re- reconfigure the entire house for this little, small, dinky little room of a place, really. Wow. But from this one room, I mean, the historians say he changed the world, mm-hmm. or the Lord used him to change the world. Yeah. The Methodist movement, yeah. and I mean having a prayer room, and doesn't have to necessarily be a room or reconstructing your house, but mm-hmm. some some holy lowercase h place lowercase p <laughs> uh, in your room. Yeah. Hey, any other pointers we have from the text? Or otherwise? I would say on uh, just studying the Word of God for yourself. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes uh, just the balance of being committed to studying something all the way through, but also being okay that if you didn't study all of Ezekiel, Jesus still loves you, mm-hmm. and you can read something else, and mm-hmm. it's okay. <laughs> um, so what I do typically is I I'm always reading through the Bible at some point. Um, and if I want to study something else, I will. But if I don't, I just keep going with that reading through and study it that way. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm reading through Exodus as I'm reading through, but I also read First Corinthians and Colossians 3. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I just want to read that, but I always have something. Mm-hmm. So I know I, it used to be where I'd study a book until like, I like, I really want to study something else. But for some reason I felt bad. Like I was abandoning my post. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, it's okay. The Bible is all the Bible. Like, so let me ask really you, okay. I mean, we're going to pointers, but you're, you're, you're bringing up something that, that I want to ask. Yeah. It is our, de- our devotions 
Are devotions a indicator of your salvific status? Yes. Do they play a role in your salvation? Are you saved by your devotions? No. no. Okay, Absolutely so. not. All right. So no. I'm confused. You're, you're, not, you're not saved by your yes. devotions, but to your first point, you're, you're expressing the fact that you are saved, that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Because let's just distill it down to its, its essence. What we're talking about in devotional life, we're talking about worship. And... You're not worshiping God to earn anything from God. We worship God to confess his worthiness because Mm. of what he has done for us already. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, in the Ten Commandments, he says, well, I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't worship any other idols. Why? Because I delivered you. Mm -hmm. I didn't deliver you because you were worshiping me or because you weren't worshiping idols. I delivered you so you didn't have to. So in essence, your obedience to that is a response to the salvific work that Jesus has already Mm -hmm. done in your life. Mm -hmm. And just the biggest restructuring I've seen is that that's just helped me a lot is our devotions don't make God love us more, Mm. but our devotions do make us love God more. Mm -hmm. And that's God does not change in any way. Like I love you the same. Even if you ignore me, God loves us the same. So this isn't merit in any way, but it is a honing of the self to make you more sensitive. Yeah, and to, to know God more. So it's also like, I mean, I mean, you know, I think we've talked about it in other episodes of different seasons, but it's like, it's almost like having an anniversary with a loved one. It's like, mm. do I have to hang out with you? Like, what? The, what? You should want to <laughs> hang out question. with right. you. Know, right. like that, you already ruined it by saying that. Right. And so, you know, God is the perfect spouse in the sense that he still loves us perfectly, but it's like, it's something we want to do because mm-hmm. we love him. Mm-hmm. just wanted to mention uh, one other tip. Um, was the fact that in the text, the Bible says that he knelt down on his knees three times that day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God. Mm-hmm. I find that it's, it's very, very valuable in devotional time to begin with gratitude yeah. and mm-hmm. to write down three things that I'm thankful for from the day before. Yeah. Not the week, not just specifically the day before. And yeah. the discipline of that, of giving thanks and gratitude, sets you up for the right mindset yeah. for devotion yeah, yeah, and yeah. worship. Because yeah. you're like, man, this, the Lord did this, the yeah. Lord did this. The, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so now when I'm moving forward in my worship, I'm talking to someone out. who's been good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Amen. that just gave me the motivation and the inspiration to continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So I think starting with gratitude is critical. Yeah. No, I, when, to be honest, when I first heard that, I thought that was the cheesiest thing. That's so, like, fluffy, <laughs> wuffy, like, oh, write those things that you're thankful for, and I'm thankful for the flowers and whatnot. But <laughs> when I actually got my, my journal, and I'm writing these things out, and, I'm, and I realized what kind of mind I have, what kind of critical, analytical mind I had, and they said being thankful can actually change the way your brain thinks. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that is the most, you know, it's whatever true. thing in the I've ever heard. So instead of three things, I just did one thing. Mm. Uh, but then when I did one, I never ended up doing it. So I was like, not one, not three, I'll, maybe I'll do two. So I just did two things I thankful, I'm thankful for. And what happens is you cannot just write two things down. Mm. Like you end up writing more. And after doing this for four years, it has really developed a thankful heart. Heart, a different different outlook on, on what yeah, we're asking. You Thank change, you. man. We appreciate you. We encourage you to be thankful for the Lord has done in your devotional life. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you've been inspired to have a more powerful, profound devotional life with the Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.